It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. Each and every week, we talk about sports topics of local interest, maybe a national sports topic or two. We've got a betting segment and a segment where you can ask me a question on anything and just go to Twitter, hit the Twitter handle, hashtag AskSkinnyAnything. This podcast is brought to you by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. Rick, I got to admit, I watched the last 30 minutes of that riveting FC Cincinnati match last night, and, and they're still <laughs> ready to score, score a goal. Why, why would you why would you do that? Well, I was I was doing some work. I was putting together the high school football schedule that was up and I just kind of needed some background noise that wouldn't completely distract me while I finished doing that. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a good old college try. Um, yeah, I'm, it, my, I might as well have had the sound down, for goodness sakes. Well, there, was, there was some I was there was some activity because we had a bunch of yellow cards. We got some cat for the other team, got red card and got taken off. We got coaches yelling at, at, at referees. It was it was quite a quite a, a fantastic finish, but all said and done, it's like every other Cincinnati FC Cincinnati match. It ends in a draw, and it usually ends in a nil nil draw. Well, real fans of this podcast going back the last two years will know that I've been a big proponent of betting the first half unders in FCC games, or yep. this year just the, the overall under. under zero zero bet is is a great bet with them. It they are an extraordinary professional sports organization to watch because. They essentially just don't even try to score. It is a pretty bizarre thing to witness. Yeah, and I, 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 honestly, if you're a fan of the sport, is that really that enjoyable? I mean, honestly, and, and every it feels like literally more matches in that league because they don't have any any overtime rules for regular season, um, and they don't have golden goal rules. They literally when the when the match ends in regulation, it ends no matter the score. I've never seen a league end with so many ties in my lifetime. Can you imagine NFL games ending in consistent ties like this? No, first of all. And I mean, obviously, they're very different sports, but what they do is the equivalent of playing a two, three zone all packed inside the lane and the other team on defense and then going down on offense and playing four corners. Right. No, I was going to say, and the other team just standing there dribbling with no shot clock and going, okay, we'll we'll take we'll maybe get a shot up here at some point. We'll we'll try, but maybe not. Maybe we just won't. Maybe we'll just stand here and dribble for, for, for 40 minutes. Wow. We've got a few other things to get to. Yes, as well. we do. Thank let's, goodness. Thank goodness. Let's get into some Bagels talk. The Bagels took down Tampa Bay Buccaneers 19 to 14 in the first preseason game of the year on Saturday. They have their second preseason game on Friday night in Washington. That game is set for 8 p.m. and can be seen on local 12. I have a few Bengals questions here for you, Skinny. All right. The first of all, normally I would ask you. The, the generic question of what stood out the most or what was the biggest storyline? There, there is no need for any of that because there's only one storyline that jumped off the page that we have to start with. And that is the pass rush. It is, is too much being made of the Bengals edge rushers getting pressure on the quarterback in one preseason game, or is it fair to be really excited by what we saw, particularly with Joseph Asai and Darius Hodge? Yeah, I think a little of both because, um, you know, let's face it, Darius Hodges pressures. He had five quarterback hits and a one and a half sacks came primarily against backups, but it's still pretty eye opening. Um, Osai's obviously it came against Tom Brady and Tristan Wirfs. I mean, he, he, he Tristan Wirfs, one of the better tackles in the league. And Joseph Osai, you know, ended up beating him to get that sack of Brady on the first series of the game. 
Um, you know, we, we didn't see any of the starters after that first series on either side of the ball. So um, for Tampa or for the Bengals, so they, you know, just six plays against each other. So you didn't really get a chance to see Sam Hubbard do a whole lot. Um, Trey Hendrickson was close to being a part of that sack that, that, uh, that Osai got. So that was good. Um, I think it is fair to be a little excited because they, they did, you know, spend some money on some upgrades there. Look, they let Carl Lawson walk and we can, we've, we've, we've debated that I'm, you know, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered some others. You know, you got Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson is kind of a, a one-off there, if you will. But then, you know, you you spent draft picks on Osai and Cam Sample, and um, you know, I I think there's some exciting things they're going to try to do with maybe putting four defensive ends on the field in obvious pass situations where you're going to see Cam Sample who can play down inside, and, and Sam Hubbard who played some inside at nickel last year, and then you've got you'd have Osai and Hendrickson at the end and play a lot of stunt games and twist games, and um, you know, have a lot of quickness and speed with those guys. I think the versatility, though, too, of, of Osai and Hubbard and Hendrickson, where, you know, you can maybe say, OK, here, you know, we, we'd like to get home with four, but occasionally do a little fire zone where, you know, you're going to drop Hendrickson out and here comes Mike Hilton off the slot. Um, you know, here comes Jesse Bates walking up. You may see him blitz more. You're going to see probably Logan Wilson blitz a little bit. You're going to see Von Bell blitz some. And so you can disguise some of those things. So I, I think it is it is it is fair to be excited because I've watched it throughout camp. I've watched some of those blitzes get home. They didn't blitz hardly at all the other night. You know, you're not going to show a whole lot. You, you probably want to rep it a little bit, but in practice, I've watched Logan Wilson come clean up the middle. I've watched Mike Hilton watch him last week, come off the slot where um, he could have killed Joe Burrow if he so desired. I mean, he came that clean off the slot. It was so well disguised. So yeah, I think it is fair to be excited by the pass rush. And it, 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 I will say it, it, it can't be worse than last year when they got 17 sacks. That's for damn sure. It's going to be significantly better than that. Yeah, dead last in the NFL last year in sacks. And that's that doesn't even tell the full story because, Skinny, there was a game last year where I believe they didn't touch the quarterback. I think period. that's right. I think Not that's right. one single time. And then there were other games where they got to him once or twice with just a quarterback pressure or knockdown where, quite honestly, it was kind of the same thing. that The quarterback w- was clean the entire game and never even had the, the split second of worrying about Bengals being at his feet or running into him or or making him make a quick decision and making him make a mistake. And, and for this defense to get better, which I have limited expectations for how good this defense can be, if all of a sudden they're getting a consistent pass rush, not only does that really raise the defense's ceiling overall, but also for the type of team we're hoping that this year's Bengals squad could be, which is probably high-scoring, giving up a fair amount of points on the other end, but kind of playing a a high-octane, exciting style of football, what you want is an opportunistic defense. And a defense that can put pressure on the quarterback consistently, even if they're not a consistent defense overall with stopping the run and, and perfect coverage on the corners and things like that, if you can get consistent pressure on the quarterback, it gives you that chance to be opportunistic because it creates mistakes. It creates pressure which which can lead to tip passes interceptions forced fumbles all of those types of things and from a a fan's perspective it there's no guarantees or anything it doesn't mean this team is a playoff team but it does give this team more upside than I think a lot of people maybe believe they have coming into the season yeah Rick and, and you know don't forget last year you know this was a team that finished fifth worst in the league in takeaways and and, you know, they're having a more of an emphasis on trying to strip the ball and, and, and you know, get their hands on passes and, and come up with some tip passes and those kind of things. And, and you create those, you're right, with, with a pass rush. And, you know, while I was talking about 
all the sub packages and, and nickel pass rush groups, you know, there's also you need to put some pressure occasionally on first and second down too. And that's where, you know, getting DJ reader back and, and, and having Larry Ogunjobi and boy, he was really good in practice last week. You've got, uh, you got a chance to get some pressure on those downs as well with Hendrickson and Hubbard on the, on the outside. So yeah, I, I think, I think I am excited with this defense and listen, I know it was just six plays against Tampa. I, I'm, I'm talking about what I've seen through camp, those six snaps in which they, you know, they were good. They, they, I, I listen, I, I think Louie Aruma put it, put it best. He said, listen, if they'd have gone down and scored a touchdown, we'd have been pissed. Right. So, I mean, it's one of those ones where everybody's, oh, I can't get excited over six plays. I'm with you. But if Tampa marched down and got a touchdown, what we, what we've been saying, well, Bengals defense isn't much better. Is it? Right. Yeah. It's much better to look good than the alternative. Right. And I I'm fully aware that we're probably making too much of this to an extent. And that's why I framed the question the way I did, but if you're a fan right now looking to dream on this Bengals team a little bit, what you saw in that first preseason game, especially from this defensive perspective and trying to put a, a pass rush on the quarterback, it was pretty much ideal. Like that, that was what you wanted to see from a fan's perspective. Yeah. And, and I'll be, I mean, Darius Hodge to open some eyes. In fact, I'm going to have a piece up uh, today. And probably by the time people listen to this, it'll already be up. And I did it last week three risers and followers. Um, you know, from the, the last preseason game heading into this one. And Darius Hodge is one of the risers. Um, you know, Joseph Osai's hurt right now. We don't know the extent of it. Khalid Kareem's hurt. And so Joseph Osai's technically a second team defensive end at the moment. So he's going to get, I think, some even more pass rush opportunities against Washington and probably against backups, but not deep, deep backups, not against guys that probably won't make the team. He's going to probably get a chance to rep against some guys who will make the team. He might even get, for all I know, he might get some reps um, you know, early in the game on a, on a third down nickel situation to see what he can do against a first team tackle. So I'm kind of excited to see that, that they may have just kind of fallen into a guy. I know all the people at Marshall, when I tweeted out some good stuff about him, I got a bunch of tweets back that said, yeah, we saw that for years, you know, when he was with the, with the thundering herd. So, um, you, you, listen, when you get your opportunity in this league, you better take advantage of it, especially as an undrafted guy. And again, it, it, it may not be enough and he may not be able to play the run and, you know, we, we can look back because there's usually a few guys like this that open some eyes and then you realize, yeah, it was against backups, but you got to do it against backups first. And then you get your chance to move up the pecking order. And because of the injuries, he's going to get an opportunity to do that. Well, that's exactly right. And especially with, you know, Osai being out and some other guys being nicked up. This game is massive for Darius Hodge, in my opinion. Uh, there's not many preseason games you can say that about, but for him specifically and in a, a position where it's kind of, believe it or not, a little crowded on the Spangles roster oh, sure. right now. I mean, he was listed as a linebacker coming in. Now it looks like he's clearly going to be a edge rusher. All of a sudden he's, you know, what, fifth in line maybe? or, or so. Uh, I mean, pro- like, probably probably six because, six, you know, you, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you got Osai, Sample, Hubbard, Hendrickson, and Khalid Kareem, but Khalid Kareem has been hurt and, and it stinks for him because he's had a really, he had a really good camp up until the point he got hurt. In fact, he, he was a guy who was opening eyes almost every day with some kind of splash play. Um, but he's not, he's not gonna be able to play and, and neither is, uh, neither is Osai. And so hey, Darius Hodge, now you get yourself a golden opportunity. You need to go take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. That's it right there because it's, it could very easily still be, like you said, Hey, he was playing against backups. It was a flash in the pan and first preseason game, but he's going to get a more extended opportunity. And like you said, probably against some better guys here earlier in the game against Washington. If he splashes again in this second game, then you have to start to think you got something with yeah, an undrafted guy like him. So really exciting to to see him again here in, in game two. And it sounded like 
the news is pretty positive on Osai in terms of the injury, at least in terms of whether or not he'll be able to play for week one? Yeah, I, I think um, they've been pretty vague, which is interesting to me because, you know, he got hurt on Saturday and there really hasn't been a whole lot to it. But, yeah, I, I think that's the hope. And and I think you saw at least enough in preseason game one to go, all right, if he misses the next two preseason games, I still feel pretty good about that guy because uh, he did do it against ones. He did do it against top backups. And he didn't he didn't only do it. He dominated at times. It was it was really impressive. What did you think of the offensive line play on the other side of the ball? That was one of the bigger storylines for the entire season coming in. And obviously the way the pass rush looked, we had to start with that. But what was your overall thoughts on the offensive line play? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, again, he didn't have a lot for the first team offense, right? They weren't out there a whole lot. Um, you know, they did move the ball and, and had a drive in with with P. Ryan's fumble. Um, I thought Jonah Williams did a great job on that screen pass to, to chase where he got out in space and blocked the corner. And unfortunately, Quentin Spain is not as fast as Jamar Chase, so he couldn't quite run down the field far enough to block the safety or Chase probably would have taken that to the end zone. Um, you know, had a couple of positive runs, um, you know, P Ryan, P Ryan on the fumble had a, had a positive run. And then, you know, when you, when you had a bunch of the backups in, you could see there's some guys that are just overmatched, you know, Gunnar Vogel, God bless him. He struggled. I will say Isaiah Prince, I thought did a great job. And that poor guy had to play literally, I think 90% of the snaps because they were so, you know, so thin at tackle, uh, going into that game. Uh, that's a lot for, for a preseason game and especially playing it in Tampa. I know the, the weather was actually pretty nice there it was the humidity wasn't up and the temperature was in the 70s so it wasn't awful awful Florida weather but I thought he impressed enough to make a push to to make this team Jackson Carmen had the ups and downs and and you know certainly as you watch it with the eyeball that's why the 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 thing I enjoy talking to coaches about you know either the next day or our next media availability is for them to assess offensive line play because they they have you know they 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 see what they they want to see and need to see um and I thought he, he, I thought Brian Kelly and the offensive coordinator wasn't exactly very high on Jackson Carmen. I mean, I literally asked him just, what do you think of his performance? It was with softball open-ended question. And the answer was he was okay. <laughs> you know, and, and then he went on to talk about, we need to see more. We need to see him take steps faster. We need to see him not be on the ground so much. Um, you know, that's not great praise. If you're thinking he's going to win the job, you know, Deontay Smith, I think continues to impress, but then he, he mispracticed uh, on Wednesday because of dehydration issue and might not play in this game. Um, I, I said this to some writer friends yesterday, we were kind of surmising, who do you think the, off, the, the starting guards will be on day one? And it's the same two that I think I've said all along. I think it's going to be Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo. You may not like it, but I think that's where it's trending towards. Well, I feel more comfortable about that than I do. Michael Jordan being one of the starting yeah, guards. Well, so, I think that's actually probably your safest option at this point. I don't know exactly who will start and how many snaps they'll play for the Washington football team on Friday night, but I would have to imagine that's going to be a really good test for this Bengals offensive line. When you look at the, the guys they have up front, just in general chase. Yeah. Young, oh yeah. That's great. That, 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 Sweat, that, that, Darren that's Payne, a, Jonathan that's, a, Allen. that's the best defensive line in football period. In They're really talented. I mean, I don't know if they're consistently like what the metrics say or whatever, but in terms of having guys that scare you that are impact guys, they've got the, the best depth. I would say. Yeah, no, they're outstanding. So yeah, I think it, you're right. I think it's gonna be a great test. Um, you know, Suofilo was running one with the first team at right guard the last couple of practices. I'm assuming he probably starts. Spain starts the left guard. I, I would be honest with you. I'd like to see Michael Jordan play against those that group and see what he does. I know there's probably some mental scar there for him because that's the place where he let the quarterback get hurt last year. He 
you know, he said when he was asked about that, he said, it's just another game. It, it, it can't be just another game. There has to be a little middle, little metal scar there. I think to get him maybe over that hump, let him play against, let him play against that front again and see how he does. Was there anything else that stood out to you about the, the Bengals preseason win in game number one? Not really. I mean, some of those roster battles, you know, the, the last wide receiver, I, I, you know, I thought going into camp, I had Stanley Morgan making it as camp unfolded. I had Trent Taylor instead making it. And now, in fact, this will be one of my other risers. I, I think it's trending now towards Trent Irwin being the guy that they, they let him handle a punt return in that game, which he had not done a whole lot throughout camp. It had been pretty much Trent Taylor and, and Darius Phillips. And then Trent Irwin came in to handle a punt. And when you see that and you see how well he's starting to do in camp and he had three catches in that game. And, and as Brian Callahan said, you know, that guy just makes plays. Um, I think it's trending now towards him for that sixth wide receiver spot. And I said this out loud to, to people yesterday and I had a couple laugh and a couple agree with me. I'm not so sure as this season unfolds that your backup running back isn't Jacquez Patrick. I, I, I the, the guy is just a powerful runner. Um, he showed it last year in training camp in the one scrimmage, but you know, he didn't have any preseason. Uh, you know, I thought he ran the ball great. Yes, it was against backups, but he's also got backups blocking for him and he runs through tackles. And I think Chris Evans has solidified that role of the, you know, kind of that Giovanni Bernard role and yeah, um, didn't, you know, Brian Callen pointed out, and I think he's right. He needs to learn in the NFL that you you can't always turn, you know, a, a zero run into a, a big gain. You just can't turn it into a negative run. And he did that a couple of times trying to bounce them out. But I also saw him make a great spin move on that very first run of the night and saw him power one into the end zone. And, you know, he's he's obviously got you know, the, the pass catching ability was was there from day one of, of OTAs, for goodness sakes. You could easily see that ability. The guy's a natural pass catcher. But I thought he showed some really good things in the run game and, you know, now I guess it is, you know, can he handle blitz pickups and and, and pass blocking over time? And, and we'll see if that's the case. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the the unfortunate faller in that group is Travion Williams. And, and, look, he's hurt, and it's not his fault. He's got a hamstring. But, listen, you got two guys that played really well in preseason game number one. They're going to get a ton of snaps here again because you're, you're not going to see much of Joe Mixon and much of Samaj P. Ryan. In fact, uh, I think Zach Keller said you won't see them after the first quarter. So that means the last three quarters are Chris Evans and Jacquez Patrick. So, we're going to get a chance to see them again in extended time. And I thought they were really good in game one. I know running back as a position it has less value now than it has in the past, but watching Chris Evans for a sixth round pick. Yeah. I looked like a guy with a lot of talent. I agreed. He, he dances a little bit, like you said, but his pass catching ability, he looks different when he catches the ball out in the open. I mean, he's very, very fluid in the way that he runs and, and look very confident with his hands the Giovanni Bernard comparison is a great one because that's a lot of what he reminded you of in terms of how they were using him and what it looks like his skill set is. So I think they found a really suitable replacement for Gio and in that regard. I think they did well there, and I could see him being an impact guy pretty early in his career, especially if he can figure out the blocking part at all, as long as he's not letting people get blown up on blitz pickups and things like that. I, I think he has a chance to get in the lineup from day one. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, listen, the, the, the main load is going to be Joe Mixon's load. So we're only sure. talking about a handful of reps for guys in, in games, you know, barring injury. But I, I feel good about that position group uh, with, with all those guys. I, I honestly feel good with Travion Williams. I just think that, um, you know, unfortunately, the guy just can't stay healthy. And, you know, at some point, guys it are going to surpass you. Game. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a numbers game, right? Yeah. Is there anything that you're particularly keyed in on for preseason game number two? Uh, I, I want to see the, the first group finish a drive if they can, you know, they, they, they just kept turning it over the other night. And, and, and then, you know, I, I think I, 
I think you're going to get a nice gauge on whoever plays against that first team um, Washington defensive front um, of, of how well they handle that. If it's Suofilo in Spain and they handle it fine, I think you've settled on your guards for game one. I really do. I got one more question for you here. The Post route, an NFL newsletter posted about potential trades that could go down before the start of the NFL season. One such hypothetical was Arizona linebacker Jordan Hicks coming to the Bengals. Hicks, of course, a Lakota West graduate, has already asked to be traded, so he is likely to be available. Skinny, do you think the Bengals should make that trade? Um, I, I, I mean, either way doesn't bother me. It wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't make me mad if they did, but it wouldn't make me mad if they didn't. Um, I'm still suspect on the depth at that position. I do think Logan Wilson has taken a step forward, a huge step forward. I think he is ready to be a starter in this league. Jermaine Pratt's had a good camp, but, you know, behind them, Marcus Bailey's had a good camp, but obviously has had limited reps in the NFL in a live game in just a second season. Uh, but he looks really good in camp. You know, Jordan Evans is, has been just a guy for a long time. And Adeem, Akeem Davis Gaither suddenly kind of slipped to the fifth linebacker spot, which is not ideal for, for a guy, you know, you took last year and had some high hopes for. So would it help? Yeah. I, I think the other part though, to it is if you were going to do something like that, Rick, I think you'd have done it by now and gotten a guy in camp, gotten him indoctrinated into your system and all of those things. Um, that I think would be more of an injury related move that if suddenly you had a couple of guys go down and you're desperate for the position because you need numbers and bodies and whatnot, then you make the trade. I, I, I don't see I've, that thing's been out there for a while now for, for a few weeks, people have been kind of clamoring for that or talking about getting Jordan Hicks. I, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. And I think, there are some fans that are excited about the idea and that excitement seems to come from the notion that Jordan Hicks would come here and start. And right. I just don't think that's the case. I think they're comfortable with Pratt and Wilson as their starters. And to be quite honest, he's kind of similar to both those guys in that. I think he's solid. I think he can fill in for you, but those guys aren't really difference makers in my mind, and neither is Jordan Hicks. All right. of them are no, just right. kind of there. They're okay. They're solid. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think Logan Wilson can be. I think he's got that potential to be. And that might be the case. He's still young. I mean, the Bengals linebacking crew is a weak point of their defense sure. right now. And, and maybe that won't be the case with those two guys in the future. But at this point, that's clearly a weak spot. So I'm not saying that Jordan Hicks wouldn't help give them some depth, but I don't think he raises their ceiling much at all. I don't think and, he's much better than either of those two. And I, and I go back, if you were going to do something like that, you'd have done it already. Right. Again, barring injury. Now, if injury happens and you're suddenly down to three linebackers and two of them are Joe Batchy and Keandre Jones, then yes, you're probably going to have to go get a linebacker or probably even sign Josh Bynes off the street. So um, yeah, but I think right now, I think they're 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 satisfied with that group. All right, over to baseball, where the Reds made an interesting personnel decision this week as the team reinstated Nick Senzel from the 60-day injured list and then optioned the former number two overall pick to AAA Louisville, opting to keep 14 pitchers on the roster instead of an extra bat. General Manager Nick Kroll said, quote, well, right now, if we bring him to the club, who goes down? There's only so many players that are optionable right now, and I think that's the main factor. He had some flexibility. We felt the guys up here were playing well, so we want to keep this group together for right now and keep moving forward, end quote. Skinny, what did you make of the Reds sending Nick Senzel down to Louisville? Yeah, I think we we talked a little bit about this in, a couple weeks ago, maybe, and I know I, I, I was talking to Charlie Goldsmith of the Inquirer, because he, he covers some Bengals as well as Reds. And we were talking, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago about, 
you know, what are you going to do when some of these guys come back? Because the guys on the roster don't have options. It was a weird quote from 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 Nick Crawl when he said, we, we have a lot of guys optionable. I think he meant we have a lot of guys who don't have options. That was the problem. I mean, they, you know, you, you I know some fans will send Aquino, Aquino down. You can't. You'd have to designate him for assignment. Somebody can pluck him. And they, they like him enough to keep him. And he's playing pretty well. Um, so you had a lot of, you, you had no guys with options. And this was probably, you know, looking back on it, probably the move to make. It's the move that was on the table. Um, I, I know Tyler Naquin hasn't played great over the last few months, but even his OPS over the last few months of about 660 is still better than Nick Senzel over the last two seasons. And so I kind of get it. And all you're really stashing him for probably is a couple of weeks. I can't imagine he's not one of the couple of guys you bring up when the rosters expand um, in September. Don't forget, you don't expand it by the number you used to. You only got a couple, couple of guys to bring up. I'm going to guess it'll be a pitcher of some sort and, and, um, and, and I'm almost assured Nick Senzel. Uh, and, I, and I think the other part, if he's not going to play every day at this point as he tries to work himself back, let him keep getting every day at bats. He's also played a little bit of shortstop down there. I don't think, you know, if Jose Barrero, my gosh, the double play he turned yesterday was silly. Um, if he can can hit it all, he is your shortstop of the future, bar none. But I think it's good to get Senzel some reps there just to provide a little bit of depth, and, and he's going to play some outfield. So, I, you know, it, it, it's kind of shocking when you first see it because you're like, wait a minute, he's he's going, he's literally they're sending him to AAA. That's what they're doing. But I think I understand it fully. And maybe this is too obvious, but this has to say something about where Nick Senzel well, stands in the it, current pecking order and how the Reds front office feels about well, him. Though, right? I, and, and that's what Charlie and I were talking. He said, you know what this means? He's a 26 best guy. I mean, that's, that's uh, what it is. He's, he's not one of the main guys. And I don't know that that's wrong. I don't I mean, know I, that that's wrong either. I'm, I, yeah. I'm not necessarily too bothered by it overall. I know some other people have had issues with it. And, and by the way, it does come in the midst of some other kind of weird decisions like Barrero is – not not ready yet. Needs to be in the minor leagues, and then three days later, oh, right, right. we're going to go ahead and bring him up <laughs> right, now because right. there's an injury. You know, I mean, there's been some goofy things going on here, and some some situations where it feels like somebody doesn't want to make a decision with certain guys. So I understand why people are questioning some of these personnel decisions for certain. But to me, the bigger takeaway wasn't whether or not Senzel was was with the team or if they're carrying an extra bullpen arm. I, I didn't care as much about that. To me, it was just the overall perspective of this is what they think of it. Because you got to think, even if he's their 26th best guy right now, if they feel like he's going to be a big part of what they're doing going forward, you'd imagine they'd be just more worried about his shaking his confidence or pissing him off by sending him back down. I mean, this is the kind of move you make when you really don't care about who the, that guy is. Yeah, yeah m- maybe. Yeah, maybe that's the case. But I also go back to, uh, you know, the guy needs some at-bats. And, and you know, the, maybe the rehab assignment wasn't going to be long enough. Um, and, and they want to get him every day at-bats. They want to get him a few games here and there at shortstop. And um, you're trying to win at the big league level. And he's right now not going to be a guy that's going to help you do that based on the other guys you got on the roster. I, I fully get it. I, I, I do think, you know, when he comes back in September, and I, I would suspect he does, you know, he's probably going to play some kind of a role to help you. I hope, um, you know, if he's healthy and swinging a good stick, then you he'll probably force his way into the lineup, but it's just not there right now for the guy. The Reds will start up a four game series with the Marlins Thursday night as they still sit just one and a half games back to the Padres in the wild card, despite dropping a series to the Cubs over the last few days. The Reds have 40 games left in the season. The Padres have 39, but the Padres have a much more difficult schedule with 19 of their 39 coming against the Giants and the Dodgers. 
Skinny, which team's place would you rather be in right now? The Padres with the one and a half game lead in the wild card, but a much more difficult schedule, or the Reds with an easier path the rest of the way, but you're trailing by a game and a half. Yeah, the Reds by far. And and not only those games you mentioned, Rick, they've got a series with Houston. Um, they've got a series with the Angels, which are playing much better. They've they've surged back to 500. And I think that's on the road. And they've also got a series with the Cardinals. I'm not sure that series is. And the Cardinals are playing great at the moment. So, you know, you know, that's what that's another about 28 of their 40 games are against some pretty good teams or teams that are playing pretty well right now. Um, the, the Reds still have a plethora of game with the Pirates left, for goodness sake. So, yeah, I'd rather be the Reds. A game and a half is is nothing. I mean, literally nothing. Um, and and. You know, I think the Reds also are in that spot. You know, you're pretty close to getting TJ Antone back. So you're adding yet another arm to the bullpen. And the guys who've come over in the trade have pitched pretty well. And so the one thing that's been lacking here, you know, the last few days has been offense. But, uh, you know, I, and the Jesse Winker injury certainly has affected that. And then Nick Castellanos not swinging. Mustaka's not swinging. But um, I suspect those guys start coming back again and, 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 and hit the ball. And I, I feel the offense will come back. So, yeah, I'd much, I honestly, I don't say this is sitting in Cincinnati. I've. I used to be a, li- a longtime Padre fan. I, I fell in love with them when when uh, Tony Gwynn was playing. I check. Oh, I fell in love with them when, when a guy named Enzo Hernandez was playing shortstop and driving in twelve runs and five hundred bats one season back in the early seventies. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm probably a bigger Padre fan of baseball than I am of any other team. But I would tell you that I would much rather be in the position the Reds are in by far. It's not even close. I mean, if you gave me money to bet on it right now, I would have no hesitation betting the Reds to make the playoffs over the Padres. And that's crazy to think because the Padres, when they are right, that is one talented team. Well, and I might feel a lot differently about that with the way the last few games against the Cubs went if, if the yeah. Padres had taken advantage right. it was three and a half right, right. Now, exactly. or if it was four or something like that. But instead, because they've lost seven of their last eight to the Marlins, D-backs, and Rockies, I mean, you're sitting here, you're still only one and a half game out. Yeah, you definitely take the Reds' path. Now, that being said, I think the Reds need to make a move sooner than later and get the lead to put some pressure on the Padres, right, make some of these tough games, right. must win games for them. Like we keep talking about these games for the Reds are, you know, it's, it's constantly feeling like the Reds are tr- trying to keep their head above water and the pressure is always on them. Get the lead and put the pressure on the Padres here down the stretch where they've got all these difficult games left. Cause you could really see them fold up, especially with you Darvish experiencing some, some back issues right now. And he's missing his next start. Like there's an opportunity here but I think the Reds really would be better off making that move sooner than later. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And honestly, I mean, I, I think the team I'm I'm probably more frightened of than the Padres is the Cardinals. Yeah, they're playing well and they're coming on quick. Yep. I think when you look at Major League Baseball in general right now, I don't know if you agree with me, but to me, there are a few rosters that are just clearly so much worse than most of the other teams. And obviously the Cubs are one of them. Yes. Oh, I mean, and that's the, that's the thing. It, it is a kick in the stomach to lose the two games. You lost to the Cubs. It would be even worse if San Diego would won. Um, so I think you can look back and go, Hey, that's just baseball. I, I, you know, I hate to be that guy that says that right. that's just, that's just baseball. All right. All right. Now you're still, you tread water. You didn't lose any ground. And now here comes another team you should beat now. Now, Shake it off and go go take three or four from the Marlins. Yeah, well, I mean, you never want to be the team playing the team who's lost twelve in a row, right? You know, at, at some point, yeah, the mathematics, yeah, yeah, the, the mathematics, yeah, the mathematics will, t- will turn itself around just because. Yeah, the professional ranks aren't a great place to be facing a team on that type of losing streak. So you're right. I mean, that is baseball to an extent, but along with the Cubs, I mean, you've got the Orioles are Oof. awful. Yep, the Rangers and Nationals are awful, and I think the 
Pirates, you could probably throw in that same boat, at least in the Reds' case. The Reds awful. have dominated them. They're yeah, awful. I mean, they're, they're terrible. Uh, the Reds have nine against the Pirates left, six against the Cubs, and four against the Nationals. Right. That's a lot of games. And four against the Marlins coming up, as you mentioned. Against teams that just stink. Padres have none against any of those teams that we mentioned. Now, the you mentioned the is- tough teams they play. They play none of these crappy teams yeah and i saw a stat i don't have it in front of me the the goofy part though is san diego actually i believe is a game or two under 500 against teams below 500 and they're playing like crazy baseball against teams above 500 yeah yeah but you'll take your chances on the percentage evening out and that absolutely no question it's been back and forth for a while we've talked about the reds roller coach that we've been on it is setting up though this is if you were a baseball fan who just wanted excitement down the stretch, we're, we're here. I mean, it, it is, they're not going to be out of it at this point. No, you know, exactly. it is going to be a fun fight to the finish now. Agreed. Agreed. All right. The University of Cincinnati men's basketball team has added a December 1st road game with Miami of Ohio to its 2021 22 schedule. The Bearcats hold a 94 53 advantage all time against the Red Hawks with. The 147 meetings marking the most against any opponent. The last matchup between the two teams was a 56-47 Cincinnati home win nearly 10 years ago on November 29, 2011. UC has won 13 straight against the Red Hawks since 1991. Skinny, what do you think about Cincinnati restoring the rivalry with Miami on the basketball court and especially agreeing to go up and play there on the road? Yeah, I remember the question last week on, on the podcast, the Ask, Ask Skinny Anything question was was kind of related to, to games like this, of which ones what would you like to see come back, you know, among some of the local teams, football or basketball? And we yeah, listener a was a little prophetic, them. wasn't he? Yeah, no, no question. I, I love these. I, I wish, like I said, I wish Xavier still played Dayton. I wish, you know, Kentucky played Indiana. I wish UC would consistently play Louisville. Um, and I'm glad they're playing Miami. And, and I'm kind of glad they're playing it on the road. I I just think the regional rivalries are a so easy B, you know, not every athletic department is, is, is raking in cash over cash over cash. I mean, I think there's some cost efficiencies to these things too, for everybody. So I I just think it's a win-win and I wish more, more schools would do it. Um, You know, I, I, I think sometimes it's just, we we get blinded by, Oh, we're gonna have these buy games. And then, yeah, we're going to play these five hard games off there. And then then you forget about the regional rivalries, which make all the sense in the world. I, you know, I, Honestly, I, I'd love to see some kind of call it crazy eight, whatever, where you get a, uh, a you know, a, a, one of those Maui invitational type tournaments and you have UC and, and Xavier and Kentucky and Louisville and NKU and Indiana and Miami and Dayton or Ohio State or whatever mixture you want. I'd love to see something like that. I think it'd be awesome to do something like that every year. It's not going to happen, but I'd love to see it. We, we talked briefly on the phone yesterday, and I hadn't looked too closely at this announcement. I saw it come across and didn't really pay a lot of attention to it. I had just assumed I did too. that the game yeah, was yeah. at Cincinnati yeah, when we were too. talking about it. And I went back and, and read the release, and it did catch me off guard that UC is going to Miami to play this game. I think that is an interesting move, especially in Wes Miller's first year. You're December 1st, still pretty early in the season. It's going to be their first real road game. They will have played a handful of home games at that point, including a pretty good test against Georgia at home. Yep. yep. And then they've, they'll have their MTE where they'll play uh, Illinois and then Arkansas, Kansas state on a neutral floor, but Miami's going to be their first real road game. And not that that's going to be a, 
a hostile environment. No, and, 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 no it, it could it, be a it, tough it, place to play because it's kind of hard to get up for a game there. It's a morgue. I mean, yeah. Well, it won't be because I think you. I, I think for Miami, it's a windfall because you're going to have a lot of UC fans. I think. Oh, it'll be mostly. UC yeah, fans. exactly. Yeah. I mean, so in a way, it is a road game, but it's probably not going to feel much like a road game. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I did the same assumption. I just assumed, hey, they're going to resume the rivalry and uh, play at UC, and then you see, no, they're going to Miami. All right, well, good, good for them. I mean, I'll give them credit for playing that game. Do you see, other than maybe they just wanted a true road test before they play the Crosstown shootout at Xavier? I mean, is that the benefit to playing a road game against Miami here for Wes Miller in his first year? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, you know, you're not doing it out of benevolence to, to, to put the cash in Miami's coffers, right? But it's it really is going to be a windfall for them because they, they struggle to get over 1,000 people for some games. So uh, they'll have you know probably the biggest crowd they've had in a long, long time for for that one. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that's that, that's the only thing I can think of, Rick. Is 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 the reason you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, if they were doing it out of the goodness of their heart for another local program, they wouldn't have been fighting so hard to get out of their NKU contract. Well, they're supposed to go play this year. So that's good. That's a good point too. To go to another <laughs> yeah, regional rivalry good, and play on call. their court, it's like, well, there must be something. Uh, or some reason that they feel that's a good idea, and, and certainly I think NKU is a little more dangerous than Miami this no year. No doubt, but agreed. Uh, but I mean, heck, if I'm if I'm Miami, I'm ecstatic about getting the opportunity Absolutely. to play a, a a roster that's in flux, a bunch of new faces, their first true road test with the new coach. I mean, what a great opportunity for Miami in this scenario, and and for a program that's really struggled to recruit recently, especially in the region. Yeah, and that, that, although they did get a get Covenant Catholics big guy Mitchell Riley, which good for them. Um, got a chance to coach him as an eighth grader and a freshman before he transferred, and. Uh, looking forward to just to, to seeing how he does there, but yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I I think you're probably right. It probably is the the whole fact of getting a road game before the crosstown shootout um, against what you feel, even though you have a roster in flux, is a is a winnable road game. Um, so I, I think I get the advantages of that. But I, again, the bottom line is I, I'd love to see more of this. I know that's a pipe dream. It's just for whatever reason that, that teams don't think that way. They don't care to think that way. But um, I think that way. Yeah, I mean, credit to them for for playing it. It's it's pretty cool for Miami. Again, I don't know if I necessarily get it for UC, and I am certainly surprised that UC agreed to it. But if you're a UC fan, what an awesome road trip for I I uh, I don't know what December first is. So that's a week night or not. But even if it is, uh, I think it's and, uh, I do. I think that's either a fr- Friday, Saturday, maybe. Well, even better if it's a, a weekend, it makes it perfect for you. But NKU played up there just a couple of years ago. We went up and broadcast the game. Plenty of great spots to go eat, have a drink before or after the game. Really quick one visit, night trip for you. It's vi- it's a great hey, road game to go to. Visit Dinks there in Millvale, right there at the go. corner. Uh, d- d- shout out to Dinks. Shout out to Dinks. Never never been there, but I'm I'm sure it's good if you're shouting it out. Yeah, buddy. It looks like I'm looking at the calendar right now. I think it's a Wednesday, December. 5th. Oh, is it? Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. Okay. So again, yes. it's not a bad weeknight spot to go to. If you're trying to get to a, a road game, it's a, uh, it's a great trip to make. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Let's go to our betting segment where skinny last week, you called it. We were kind of talking about that Bengals game jokingly for all the true degenerates out there that might want to get in on some action. You said, take the Bengals plus six. They end up winning outright. You were all over it. So uh, what do you got for us this week? The Bengals are plus five, total 34 and a half. Where are you I, at? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go way under. You know, I think the believe it or not, I think the total in that Bengals Tampa game, if I saw it right, I don't know what it closed at, but it, I think it opened at 33. And the Bengals got that late field goal to get it to 33. So yeah, so it would have pushed. Yeah. Might have ended on a push. I'm going back. I'm taking the Bengals, Bengals in the in the uh, in the points again. I think they do win outright again. I'm going to go Bengals 
I'll go Bengals 17-10. All right, so Bengals and way under. Yep. Um, and I did not see on DraftKings at least any player props listed for any of the preseason games, but there might be a book out there somewhere who who offers those for preseason. Uh, do you have a touchdown score in mind here if anyone I- wants to play a player prop? I'm going my guy, Jack Kispatrick this week. I think he's, I think he gets a touchdown. I think, um, I think he has another good game. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I went Auden Tate last week and I was way off the board there. I wasn't even close, um, but I'm going Jack Kispatrick. I will say you mentioned uh, Trenton Irwin earlier in the, the podcast. Yep. We were talking about yep. the Bengals. I was watching the game at blaze uh, cigar bar in Newport, the first preseason game, which great local spot there. If you're a cigar or bourbon guy, and Irwin, you could just hear the murmurs starting as, you know, he made a player too, and you see him out there just looking as he does. And in this area, that is like feeding candy. Oh, there's no, base. There's All no of a sudden, question. I start hearing, hey, it's good, good to have a guy like that out there. He's like one of those Patriots receivers out there. I mean, it's just this, this fan base, if that guy even has a chance there's to make no question. the team, you got to keep him because he, he'll be a fan favorite. There is absolutely no question about it. Yeah. He's got every stereotype going for him. <laughs> he really does. Just a true coach's son out there. Yep, no and doubt. Good for him. Heady, heady, uh, smart, shifty. Yep. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure he's a true blue collar guy. Who brings his lunch pail every no, single. No, no, is always in the playbook. Yeah, his nose is always in the playbook. You know that guy. Yep. Got to have one. Got to have one. Yep. All right. Let's get into a, a quick ask skinny anything segment. And uh, the first question here is back to the Bengals conversation. It's a pretty good one. Says it's easy to get caught up in one preseason game, but who do you think Bengals fans will be happier with long term, Jackson Carmen or Joseph Osai? Oh, Joseph Osai. I, I know it was just one game, and I know things aren't going well for Jackson Carmen. I'm just trying to figure out when things will go well for Jackson Carmen. Um, you know, again, Brian Callahan's quotes. I don't want to say we're eye opening, but it's been more than one coach that you can tell they're trying to prod this guy to be a pro. And I don't know what that all entails. Is it? Is it weight? Is it conditioning? Is it is it attention in, to details? Is it is it is he late to meetings? I don't know those things, but it's they keep prodding him. You know, they've prodded him with, you know, the other day he didn't even take any snaps. He didn't even take any reps in in, in um, Monday's practice. Now, they, they did. They just rep really the first and second team. Now, Jackson did take reps uh, with the second team on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm going to guess that's where he'll be second. He'll be the second team right guard. Um, cause we saw Michael Jordan take some left guard snaps in practice yesterday. And that's because Deontay Smith's out. So I'm going to guess the second team offensive line group will be Jackson Carmen at right guard, Michael Jordan at left guard to get Jordan some reps there. But long-term I'm, I'm going Joseph Osai. Uh, you know, I, 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 he just, he's got some kind of it factor for me. And then it showed up in production. And again, I, I know it was just a, you know, a handful of snaps, but the sack he had wasn't against, it was against Tristan Wirfs. That ain't chopped liver, man. That's a pretty good player he went up against and beat his ass. Well, that's the thing. Don't you think it's it's hard to fake what Joseph Asai showed in that, in the sense right. that he's driving a legit offensive lineman well, three yards in the backfield with sheer power, and then he's showing off that explosion and that the, the ability to shed it and, and get by you because of his quickness and speed and, and, and all that stuff that you and, knew he had. And finish. I mean, again, it was just a few plays really where he's he's showing that off, but it's hard to fake what he was showing off. Well, Rick, if, if you if you were in a bubble for the last year and you didn't know that Carl Lawson left as a free agent and you watched that play, who, who would you think number 58 was? <laughs> That's ex- exactly right. I mean, honestly, in, in some ways, he looks more athletic than Carl Lawson, mm-hmm. even more mobile. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it 
it looks good. All right, a- another good sports-related question here. Skinny, how many local coaches will be fired after their current upcoming season out of David Bell, Zach Taylor, Travis Steele, and this this uh, question asker says, whomever FC's sees coaches, which I believe is still Yop Stom. It is Yop Stom. Okay. Uh, he's setting the over under at one and a half. Are you taking the over or under out of David Bell, Zach Taylor, Travis Steele, and Yop Stom? So those four guys. Well, barring a Reds complete collapse. David Bell ain't going anywhere. David, ain't Bell, David Bell ain't getting fired. Yet. And Correct. he doesn't deserve it. No, I agree with that. And, and listen, I, I've had my issues with him, and I still don't think he's a great manager, but he could he shouldn't be on the hot seat though right that's now. absolutely correct i i it, yeah it, if you're going to be fair with this stuff then yeah he's done enough to to earn another season back no matter if they make the playoffs or not again barring some crazy collapse and he makes some of the dumbest decisions in the world the last month but i don't foresee that taking place so he's out of the equation yap stom is d- definitively in play i mean that, that team changes gms and coaches like they're 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 changing their their underwear every day i mean that that, that organization's a clown show um so he's one for sure so then to take the over, you either have to believe Zach Taylor's getting fired or Travis Steele's getting fired. I don't believe Travis Steele's getting fired. So that leaves it down to Zach Taylor. I'm going to go under because I think that the Bengals do enough this year to, to have him retain his job. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot, as we know. I mean, we, it doesn't have to be playoffs. Mike Brown ain't looking for that. Um, but I, I just don't see this as a four or five win team. I, I don't. So you're going under. I'm going. For sure. I'm going under. I'm going, and it's funny because I've got one. Yabba Stam is getting canned. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that guy's going. Poor guy, or maybe yeah. it's good good for that guy. But you're not seeing any of the other three: David no. Bell, Zach Taylor, Travis Steele losing it after yeah. this year, which well, I, I think because, is because, because I don't see Travis Steele or, or, or David Bell, so that leaves it down to Zach Taylor. And yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's one of those two: Stom or, or Taylor, and Stom is almost automatic. Taylor. I think it's going to be have to be an early collapse for the Bengals yes, to really yeah, get Taylor right, out of there. Right. That's I, I'm, I'm with you on that. So I'm going to go under. It's a great question. I'm going yeah. to go under. Yeah, I thought that was a good one, too. All right. And I've got a, a couple that are uh, kind of TV related here All for right. you. All right. Uh, Vince wants to know if you've watched the Netflix documentary Untold Malice at the Palace about the obviously Pistons and right. Pacers fight. No, I heard Dan Patrick talking about it the the other day, um, and he he was talking about watching that. He said he was watching it in, in a sports bar with kind of like the sound down, and he's like, all of a sudden we all look up and we're just watching this crazy scene unfold. I've not. I do want to see that though. I, I'm sure it's it's fabulous because that still is one of the craziest scenes I've ever seen in sports. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it. I haven't seen it either. Vince said he definitely recommends. Okay, no, I, 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 yeah, I appreciate that because I, I did hear Dan Patrick talk about it as well, and it, it, it really still is one of the most fascinating things ever. And this is another craze that I am not in on yet. Have you watched Ted Lasso? I've not. Me neither. And 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 I, I, I love the character. I love the concept of of the character. Um, I, I, and it's, it's why I, and you know me, I just, I, I honestly don't have a lot of time to watch TV. I just don't. I wish I did. I, I you, guess. you really don't. With, with the coaching combined with the media well, stuff that you do, it's. I was going to say have a unique schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in right now. I'm such a goofball. I, it's one of my side hustles. I, I do high school games for a company, and my Saturday is going to consist of a volleyball game at Turpin at eleven and a soccer doubleheader at eleven and at four and six. Okay. That's my Saturday. That's my Saturday. I'm doing a high school game tonight. I'm doing Anderson and Princeton tonight. I got the Bengals, you know, to do tomorrow night. My Bengals work to do tomorrow night, you know, probably up until three in the morning writing that, then all that on Saturday, then back to Bengals on Sunday. And usually if I'm home watching TV, I I, I mean this, 
it's either sports or I'm just I'm I've got my little routine of me TV shows I watch at night like Green Acres and um, Gomer Pyle. It just it's I'm an old man who likes that stuff. So unfortunately, no. Ted Lasso does look fascinating because I think he's a great actor. I, he cracks me up. He's there's not a lot of guys. Jason Sudeikis is one of the funniest guys I, I I can watch on 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 the screen. He just makes me laugh. Just him talking in general makes me laugh. So I, I haven't watched it either. I think I kind of get the concept or what Ted Lasso's character is about. It seems like you do as well. So I'll go ahead and ask the question that Jed wants to ask anyways. Okay. He says, is Jerry Faust the closest thing there is to a real life Ted Lasso? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got to And I hate to do this. This is no lie. I had a, a guy I roomed with in college. His brother played for Notre Dame and played for Coach Faust. And we were we were playing football over over a Christmas break one year. And we were just I was asking him about the stuff. And he said, nicest man ever, blah, blah, blah. But he said, you talk about clueless. He said we were playing. A, I can't remember what game it was. He said at the end of the game, he's running up and down the sidelines yelling, do we have a bomb play? And I'm thinking, wait a minute. That the head coach is asking, do we have a bomb play? I mean, are you, I said, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I'm dead serious. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, great organizer, um, great motivator, but my word, 50 miles in over his head. And, and it, it's still to this day is God love him. I mean, I, there's no way you turn that down, but that's one of those. You just took a step over the line too far and it just, it didn't work out, but you know what? I, I will say this. It certainly didn't tarnish his legacy as a high school coach. It didn't tarnish his legacy as a person or a man or any of those things because he's still beloved. I did a molar function a couple of years ago, and my word, people came out of the woodwork for Coach Faust, and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, if I'm him, I'm looking back going, I took a swing at it. It didn't work out. I'm glad I took a swing at it. No, hell yeah. You ain't going to pass up on that opportunity. Right. You're not right. going to apologize for being being offered it either. But uh, this probably says – more about me and the issues I have as a human being. I hate to say it. I think I've avoided Ted Lasso because of this idea that it's like nice and happy and fun. I think it's, I, I think I'll be annoyed by its niceness and happiness. If I'm being honest, that's kind of why I haven't watched. Uh, is that cynical you or is that just hateful you or what is that? I don't know. I, I, I realize that it's probably an issue with me and I'm not trying to, uh, Rick, well, let me ask Rick, Rick, what do you take joy in? If I can ask. What are some of the things in life that you take joy in? I know you take joy in your dog. A, a lot. Yeah. You're, about, a, a you're, lot about, of, you're, you're going to get married. You, you're engaged. So there's got to be some joy there. What else do you take right. joy in, Rick? I, and not a lot. I mean, I know that a, a basketball dogs and vices. I like a good vice, you know, like <laughs> okay. gambling and yeah, uh, smoke sure. a cigar or something. Uh, that's yeah. that's fair enough. All right. So, uh, But that being said, I think that is definitely a me problem that I hear. Oh, this is a really happy, nice show filled with hope and positivity. And it's just fun to watch. And I immediately go, eh, I don't know if that's for me. That's, <laughs> you know, like that's that's my initial reaction is kind of like a little cringy. I don't know if I, I want to do that. And I, I realize that's probably a character flaw. Yeah, it probably is. But as long as you as long as you embrace that character flaw, it's all good, bro. Yeah, I'd say I feel like my strength is self-awareness. So at least yeah. I know that I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Rick, I appreciate it. We'll be back uh, next week. We inch closer and closer to the start of the real college football season. Going to get some gambling involved there. We're inching closer to the NFL season as well. Red's still in the playoff hunt, so we're going to have lots to talk about in the coming weeks. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope re-edition, brought to you by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lender.